Welcome to AZPM News Daily, a recap of all the day's news from Arizona Public Media. I'm Steve Jess. Coming up today, testimony from victims of anti-Semitism in Arizona, new financial rules being considered for Arizona's universities, and a program in Bisbee finds affordable housing for people in need. First up, a bipartisan panel of state lawmakers on Tuesday heard from pro-Israel speakers who say anti-Semitism is on the rise in Arizona schools. From KJZZ Radio in Phoenix, Cameron Sanchez reports. After hearing testimony from Jewish students at ASU who say they've been harassed on campus, Jewish Representative Alexander Colladin, a Republican, suggested allowing students to carry firearms on school grounds. Colladin also suggested cutting the budgets of schools that he claims fail to support Jewish students. To the extent that Jewish students are not being protected on campus, uh, to the extent that that there's favoritism being shown in terms of enforcement of uh, universally applicable university policies uh, towards these genocidal maniacs. Well, I mean, that's certainly going to be considered as we're going through the budget and trying to figure out where to cut. The panel did not reach a consensus on what action lawmakers can or should take, but lawmakers agreed to talk further and vowed to introduce legislation. Cameron Sanchez, Phoenix. The Arizona Board of Regents is looking to overhaul its financial rules for the state's three public universities. Paola Rodriguez reports. The news comes just before the University of Arizona is set to announce a plan to address its fragile financial health. The board wants to reinforce financial management requirements by adding review mechanisms in order to, quote, guard against the mistakes made at the University of Arizona. It's also proposing to add a mid-year financial update, reporting on monthly cash balances, and more. The proposal will be heard at a special board meeting tonight. I'm Paola Rodriguez, AZPM News. Sixteen candidates have qualified to appear on the ballot in Arizona's presidential preference election in March, headlined by President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. The Secretary of State's office reports a total of nine Republican and seven Democratic candidates met a 5 p.m. deadline on Monday to qualify for the March 19 election. Local leaders are calling on the federal government to accelerate federal greenhouse gas emission standards for cars and light trucks. The EPA recently announced new standards, starting with the 2027 model year. Pima County Supervisor Adelita Grijalva says because Tucson depends on cars and trucks, it makes sense to ensure safe and clean transportation. I urge its officials to finalize the proposed rule this winter. In doing so, the EPA will be taking a bold step of laying out the strong federal standards that counties and cities like Pima County and Tucson can rely upon to help guide our policies to the best to protect our community and our environment. The EPA proposal would significantly reduce vehicle emissions near major roadways and communities where people of color and low-income families are disproportionately exposed to air pollution. The policymakers who decide the future of the Colorado River met in Las Vegas today. From KUNC Radio, Alex Hager reports the talks bring together politicians, tribes, scientists, farmers, and more. After a wet winter helped add some supply to the river, officials say they have more space to try and bring down demand. They're focused on rewriting the guidelines for how the shrinking river is shared. The current set of rules expires in a few years. J.B. Hamby is California's top water negotiator. Now we have an open runway to figure out post-2026. And with a 
much uh, lower temperature and clearer heads. Delegates from the 30 tribes which use the Colorado River are calling for permanent seats at the table going forward. They've long been excluded from conversations about how the region's water is managed. I'm Alex Hager. Last year, a federal appeals court upheld a ruling that blocked the Rosemont copper mine in southern Arizona from moving forward. But a Nevada senator has introduced legislation to work around the court's decision, and Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema is a co-sponsor of the bill. The ruling says although the mining law of 1872 gives companies a wide berth when it comes to extracting ore on public lands, it says nothing about using lands adjacent to those claims. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto has introduced legislation that would allow companies to use nearby land for their operations. Rachel Hamby of the Center for Western Priorities said the legislation is a step in the wrong direction. The latest data from the Arizona Department of Revenue show cannabis sales across the state have passed the billion-dollar mark for the year, Duncan Moon reports. The latest data available is for September. It shows medical cannabis sales total nearly $270 million, with recreational sales reaching nearly $800 million. While recreational sales have grown significantly, medical sales continue to decline, reaching their lowest level in September. Medical sales have dropped each month for more than two and a half years. The state has gathered nearly $175 million this year from excise taxes on both medical and recreational sales, on track to reach or exceed last year's $230 million. I'm Duncan Moon, AZPM News. Lawmakers are asking leaders in Congress to ramp up a federal program that helps low-income families with energy costs. The request comes from 115 U.S. representatives, including Arizona Democrats Ruben Gallego, Raul Grijalva, and Greg Stanton. They're asking for $1.6 billion to go toward the Low-Income Home Energy Assistance Program, which is funded by the Department of Health and Human Services. The lawmakers say the program's a lifeline for families having to choose between staying warm and paying for food and medicine. They say more than 6 million households were using the program in 2022, but it's historically underfunded. And as negotiations over government spending packages continue, that funding should be included. The city of Bisbee and a nonprofit are addressing the city's housing shortage. Summer Hom has this in-depth report on a program that renovates homes to sell below market value. Bisbee City Planner Melissa Hartman says Bisbee does not have enough affordable housing to meet the demand. One of the things that Bisbee has as a smaller rural tourist town is we have many vacant and abandoned buildings. To help address the problem, Southeast Arizona Renovations, nonprofit Step Up Bisbee NACO, and the City of Bisbee formed a partnership on a workforce housing program that aims to provide more affordable housing. Bisbee resident Candace DeWitt who works as a revenue cycle manager at the Copper Queen Community Hospital, used to have to commute over an hour to work while caregiving for her mom and best friend's father. She said when Danielle Bouchevet, who owns Southeast Arizona Renovations and is a board member with the nonprofit, showed her a house that was renovated and for sale through the program. And I went there and I was just like, this is my home. Like I felt at home. I did get it. And I surprised my mom. She came out of surgery. She had been diagnosed with colon cancer after Thanksgiving. I I was able to move her from a hospital room into a room 
that the roof wasn't falling in and four minutes from work. According to the city, DeWitt's home was appraised at $139,000 and purchased at around $120,000. Bouchevet says that the company purchases the dilapidated homes in the Bisbee area, then donates them to the city of Bisbee. The nonprofit then completes the renovations. One of the most recent homes to go through the program is off of Nighthawk Avenue. This house was uh, was in foreclosure. The state was selling it. They had actually gotten control of it. And I was able to contact the state, actually, and, and negotiate with them directly. So they actually gave us quite a, a discount. They wanted $75,000. Yeah. We were able to uh, work it out to $38,000. Bouchevet says that the prior owner was a hoarder, and neither the home or utilities were maintained. So the house now, it's valued at $178,000. So then the LLC donates it to the city for that value. Then the LLC gets a tax benefit. So that is a wash. That $38,000 never enters into the, the remaining equation. Hartman says from there, the city takes and advertises the property. We go to mayor and council and everything and have it approved. She adds, in order to buy a house through the program, applicants must pre-qualify for a home loan. They cannot have owned a home within the past year, and they must sign a five-year deed of trust with the city. If more than one applicant qualifies, the city holds a lottery. The new owners must also live in the house for five years. Bouchevet says this is to prevent buyers from flipping the homes. Basically, there's equity in the home immediately, right? That 20% is equity. And so if they hold that home for five years, that equity just becomes a gift to them, right? Then they are able to do whatever they want. If for some reason they have to sell or they they, they want to sell, uh, it, within that five years, they're obligated to repay that, that 20% equity uh, back to the program, and then it just gets folded right back to the program, which we've never had anybody do yet. Bisbee City Manager Steve Pawkin says that the program is offered at no additional cost to taxpayers. We've managed to be able to keep it revolving, okay, as we go along uh, to the extent. And then, you know, with Southeast Arizona Renovations LLC stepping in to do their part, it's it's allowed us to keep uh, the taxpayers completely out of the mix. In Bisbee, I'm Summer Hom, AZPM News. And that should catch you up on what we covered today at Arizona Public Media. Thanks for joining me. Make sure to subscribe to the AZPM News Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Steve Jess. We'll be right back here tomorrow.